The 8-Track Podcast is a podcast that consists of actual copywritten music. If you wish to hear the songs within each episode, the only app that allows you to do so is the Anchor Podcast app. The Anchor app is available for both Android and Apple devices, so download it now. And we're back with another episode of the 8-Track Podcast. Uh, sorry for the little delay. Uh, just a lot going on in the in the home life, which uh, is always the home life. So it gets in the way sometimes, but it's always a good thing. So uh, what we're going to do for this episode, episode number four, we are going to take a look at... Uh, we used to call them... Track uh, side A, track A, or side A, track ones. Uh, back in the cassette days, uh, you know, obviously with CDs and MP3s and streaming, we get away from that. But it's still called side A, track ones, um, and songs that <clears throat> open up an album or a record. And uh, I, I always look forward to, you know. Uh, putting in that CD or opening up Spotify and listening to an album for the first time and hearing what song sets the tone for the rest of the album. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's a, a huge thing. And I think most uh, bands can recognize that it's, it's a big deal, you know, to, uh, to have a good first impression. And uh, some, sometimes it doesn't always work out so well. Some bands make interesting choices for their first uh, album, and uh, I think that's where I wanted to start was with Bruce, Springs- Bruce Springsteen. I can say that. Um, I feel this is his personal opinion. He kind of deliberately didn't really start out with his strongest songs uh, on any given album. Um, he he looked at, or he, he still does look at, looks at an album as as a whole and its in its totality. Um, but for this song, which is uh, Radio Nowhere, off of the album called Magic, uh, I think he he was going in the in the opposite direction. He really was setting the tone with uh, you know we're, we're gonna come out swinging, and uh, I I love the song. It's it's the perfect. You couldn't have put this song anywhere else on the album except for number one because it just kind of gets the juices flowing right off the bat, and uh, I think you'll hear that. I'm sure you've heard the song. If not, and you're revisiting it, you'll get the feels if for whatever reason you haven't heard it. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's the album or it's the song to start off an album perfectly. So we are going to start the eight track podcast episode number four, side A track ones with The Boss and Radio Nowhere. I believe one of the my favorite albums to this day and it's an it's an album that one of those things when you listen to it it takes you back right to the the first time you heard it and specific days and and events of your life growing up and you it's like the soundtrack to your your childhood and your your high school days uh for me that album is oasis What's the story of Morning Glory? Massively successful album. They were somewhat on the map. This put them on the globe with this album. And, you know, 
Wonderwall was, you know, is what it is. Maybe one of the greatest songs of the 90s. Severely overplayed, and you probably think differently at this point in time. But at the point in time, Oasis was it. Um, and, and this album, from start to finish, is a beautiful listen. Uh, there, it, it's, it's as flawless as an album as you can create. Um, and I remember specifics about listening to this album. Uh, well, I, when I was in high school, I, I was in sports and I played basketball. This, you know, and that was during the fall and winter season. And I remember just being on bus trips for away games for basketball, listening to this album. Um, I, it, it, it just it has stuck with me through the years. I think it's lasted through the years. Uh, people can think what they want about Oasis today, but you can't deny their brilliance with this album and this point in time and, and what this album did for music. And it's another album that starts out perfectly. Um, it gives you the false impression that they're starting out with their hit, uh, Wonderwall, and you're like, wait a minute, I thought this song was titled Hello. And then it just changes and goes right into a great riff and a great hook. And away we go with with not only one of the best albums of the 90s, but one of the best albums ever. So we're going to revisit that right now. So here's Oasis starting off What's the Story Morning Glory with Hello. So I just realized I had been saying episode four at the beginning of this episode when in fact, it is episode five. So, uh, for anybody that wants to call me out on that, uh, my bad. I, I uh, for some reason, was thinking this was episode four. No idea why, but uh, uh, just a slight mishap. No big deal. But this is episode five of the 8-Track Podcast. We're doing side A track ones. Uh, the album openers that really uh, kind of set the tone for the rest of said album. And um, if you grew up in the 90s, uh, whether it didn't really matter what age group, if you were a product of the 90s, uh, and when MTV cared about music, they had um, one of the best musical shows back in that time. Even today, you can still go back and there's still excellent shows unplugged. Um, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It was, you know, Obviously, the 90s was big for grunge and alternative. And they had these bands like uh, Pearl Jam. I know Kiss did one. I'm not a Kiss fan at all. But um, that one was okay. Um, I know R.E.M. did one. Nirvana did one. You know, all these bands that plug in are now unplugged. And they kind of did acoustic versions of the popular songs. my opinion, the very best one is Alice in Chains. Um, and, and, and the weird thing is, like, I'm not a huge Alice in Chains fan. Like, I don't listen to an album of theirs from beginning to end all the way through. I'll pick and choose, like, songs I listen to. Um, but this album, this is, like, the definition of like, what I feel the show was created for. Um, it's just a different mood to some of these songs. Um, and and that, that's always what happens when you get songs played on an acoustic guitar. Um changes the tone of things, and sometimes for the better, if you like that that aesthetic. So this is the song that they open with uh, when they did their Unplugged, um, and in all honesty, whether it's this version or the uh, recorded version, 
this is probably one of my favorite songs ever in in music history. Um, I I just love the the melodic slow tone of this song. The lyric is great. His, his Lane Staley's voice is just on point with this, um, and and it's just a perfect song in my opinion. So uh, this is what Allison Chains open with in their unplugged concert for MTV. Um, and this is Nutshell. So one of my bucket list concerts that uh, an artist I always wanted to see live, and I finally did, this was probably, I'd say 2005, around there, uh, maybe 2006, and that's Tom Petty. Never saw him live. Um, always had massive respect for what the guy did. It was one of those guys where I never really dove into his catalog, just listened to, you know, what was on, on the radio, um, which was, you know, he has an extensive catalog and, and just listening to what he has on the radio is enough to, you know, satisfy yourself. But, uh, when you really dive into his albums, you really start to see the, the brilliance of the guy. And, um, I finally did get to see him live. So happy I did now that he's gone. Um, and, and I think it was that moment. I think it was when I did finally see him in person. Um, and even though he played all those songs I'm talking about, you just hear on the radio, like I, I knew every single song that he played. And even after seeing him, I was like, there's just something about him where I, I want to know and get deeper into his music. And, uh, and he did. And he, and he did release like, in my opinion, like his, uh, the songs that he released on the radio were the best songs on the albums, in my opinion. Um, but that doesn't take away from other songs that are on there because he knows how to write a song and he's been doing it for so long. He was doing it for so long. Um, and you just, you just knew there was a genius at work there. And, um, for me, the song that we're going to play right now, uh, we could pick a plethora of songs, but one of the things I want to do on this show is not just play the songs everybody knows. And a lot of you know, will know the song, but, um, I kind of want to play the artist that you probably know, but maybe a song that is not played as much. Yes, it's a song that is played, but just not as much. So, uh, this is a song later in his career. I think this album came out early 2000s. Um, and it's a song, The Last DJ. I just love, this is just a, a great Tom Petty rock song. Um, so we're going to check it out. No, it is not about Howard Stern. A lot of people think that this song is about Howard Stern. It is not because it did come out around the time he was switching from FN, FM to Sirius. So people kind of thought it was about him. Apparently it was about some DJ in Florida somewhere that pretty much did what he wanted to do. And that, that's kind of the lyric of the song. It could resemble Howard Stern, but uh, Howard Stern has says it's, said it's not about him and Tom Petty has said it's not about Stern. So uh, great song. Let's check it out. Last DJ, Tom Petty, and the Heartbreakers, actually. All right. Well, I am. Uh, I'm feeling nostalgic right now. So uh, I mentioned um, we played uh, "Hello" from Oasis a couple tracks ago, and I had talked about knowing where you were when you heard an album. And well, yeah, we got someone cutting somebody off here. Uh, that that's what you get on this show. You don't just get music. You get traffic and road rage, which is why I do this in my car. I want more of that 
I just don't want it to involve me. Um, so I had mentioned uh, Oasis and, and uh, knowing I could pinpoint places I was when I was listening to that album and specific songs. And uh, this is another album that is, is exactly in the same realm as, as that album, What's the Story Morning Glory. Um, I remember living, you know, at home uh, when I was a kid and my buddy Nick bringing over the Beck Odelay album. Um, over the summertime, uh, my dad had a pool and we were just hanging out on the back deck, swimming, listening to this album over and over and over and over again. I was in awe of this album and he, I have to give so much credit to Beck because he does not get bogged down to one type of genre. He's never made an album like this since then, probably never will. Every album he comes out with is just a different style all itself. I've never really got into any of his other albums as much as I've gotten into this one. Um, I don't know if it was just the timing where I was in my life. It's just an album that clicked for me. Um, and why, we're, why I'm doing this episode is because of the very first song. Uh, there was just something about the, the sound that totally drew me in. So we're going to revisit Beck's amazing, incredible Odelay album with the side one, track one, which is Devil's Haircut. All right, if you know me, and if you don't know me, you're about to uh, get a lesson in my music taste. Uh, growing up, I was, me and my good friend Nick, my other friend Nick, not the one who brought the Beck album over, um, were the biggest and still are the biggest REM fans you will ever be. Uh, they are a band that is not for everybody. I, I will grant you that. They're like religion. <laughs> so to speak, you know, they're, maybe their best hit was losing my religion. That's I'm not trying to have a play on words or anything, but it, it's not for everybody. But those that are into it, just get it. And um, they, 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 they I want to say they've made like a perfect album. Um, yeah, there's hits and misses just like anybody else, but those are albums I can I can sit through beginning to end over and over and I constantly revisit old REM albums over the years. They they are wide ranging. They have a sound for almost every mood and any mood that you're in. Um, the they have an album uh, up which is was so ahead of its time and, and looking back on it like I shouldn't have liked that album, being the age I was when that album came out, but for some reason I did, and I always go back to that album. Everybody always knows their uh, their hits, and I am going to play a hit right now because I do think this is one of the best albums, uh, album openers of all time. Um, they were coming out of Automatic for the People, which is very acoustic heavy, and that's exactly what Peter Buck wanted it to be. Um, and this was kind of like like 94, 95, right when, you know, the, the big grunge, the, the grungy, like chunking style of guitars were coming out. And R.E.M. had always said they were going to do a, a flat out rock and roll album. Um, I would think New Adventures in Hi-Fi would 
be that album, which came out after Monster. Um, but Monster is is absolutely in every you know meaning uh, a, a rock album and a grunge album. And I think it shocked a lot of people to hear the album opener. What's the frequency, Kenneth? Uh, coming out of what they had heard with, you know, Losing My Religion from Out of Time and then right after that, Automatic for the People and Drive and Man on the Moon and even Everybody Hurts. People were kind of pegging R.E.M. as like this moody, downtrodden band. And with good reason. That, that makes sense with songs like those. So I think they, they wanted to flip the amps on and show people like, no, we can rock out with the best of them too. Um, and this opening riff is just, I mean, it's so recognizable, and, and you just play that opening chord, and everybody knows what's coming. Um, I've seen them live a couple times, and they've played the song every time I've seen them. Uh, it's great live, too. Michael Stipe is one of the, the best front men, I think, in history. Uh, so, let's uh, get into What's the Frequency, Kenneth, from R.E.M., the lyric of this song. If you're not familiar, uh, Dan Rather, the old uh, news anchor was was assaulted one night um, and I think it was a case of mistaken identity because as he's getting beaten the guy who's beating him just keeps saying what's the frequency Kenneth and I had no idea what that meant at the time I don't know if we still do but uh, and, and being a good sport Dan Rather went on I want to say it was Letterman I'm almost positive it was Letterman and sang this song with R.E.M. Uh, during the musical section of the show so uh, one of the greatest bands in history, doing one of the greatest album openers in history, R.E.M. off the Monster album, and what's the frequency, Kenneth? Okay, so why don't we have a little bit of fun right now? Um, I'm not one for kind of like comedy bands, like uh, I always say like, when everybody was, some of my friends when growing up were really into that presidents of the United States of America band and you know the peaches and lump and I I couldn't get into that I don't know I didn't I didn't find it humorous I just thought it was campy and uh, you know you knew they it had no sustainability I still hear the song a couple times you know on Sirius or something like that but I don't I don't think anybody is really into that nonsense anymore um, but it's a little bit different dynamic when you incorporate a comedian into the band that was a comedian first and kind of created a band. And everybody knows Tenacious D. And uh, they are actually a really good band. And yeah, they have some funny, they do have funny songs. But that's, that's, the, that's the style. Like, you know, President of the United States of America started out as a comedy band. And it's just, it's laughable where, you know, Tenacious D, it's different. It brings a different uh, dynamic because it's Jack Black. You know what you're in for. Um, and uh, when they came out with The Pick of Destiny and this song led the movie off, it's just, you can't help but It's got a really great uh, lyric to it. It's got really good music and real, uh, real good instrument play. Like, they just don't write funny songs and, and they just plow through them. Like, Kyle Gass is, is talented, and real, so is Jack Black, honestly, um, but everything about this song is just tenacious D, and uh, if you, if for whatever reason you haven't seen The Pick of Destiny, then, you know, at the end of this episode, just 
do yourself a favor and go watch it. It's it's so good. Uh, and now that you, if you've seen the movie and then you go back and listen to this song, uh, you can you know you're just picturing in your in your mind all of the moments from the movie. And it's great. It's just a, a, a great album opener. And it's a great movie opener. I don't think a movie's ever opened like this. And you can't help but want to watch the rest of the movie as soon as you see this opening number uh, in this movie. It's like a musical number. So, uh, and Meatloaf's in it. And so is Dio. I mean, you can't lose. So here is Tenacious D doing the opener of their movie from Pick a Destiny. And the song is Kickapoo. And welcome back to the 8-Track Podcast. We are winding down our episode on side one, track ones, or side A, track ones. Uh, and you just heard some Tenacious D with some Kickapoo. Great album opener, great movie opener. So if you haven't seen it, what are you waiting for? Go check it out. Great, great musical movie. Um, and hilarious, obviously. So moving on to the one and only Pink Floyd. Uh, they have always been a, a favorite of mine and very complex, very deep band. Uh, you can listen to it multiple times, find something different every time you hear them. And uh, rumor has it with this, uh, not necessarily this song, maybe a collection of songs, particularly this song. You know, this song we're going to do is uh, Shine On New Crazy Diamond. Um, and we're listening to all 13 minutes, all five parts of this bad boy, so uh, get ready. We don't skimp on this show. So um, the the rumor has it, the legend has it, and, and nobody's disputed this, just like nobody's disputed the Dark Side of the Moon, Wizard of Oz thing was uh, not coincidental. Um, the, the story goes that Sid Barrett, who uh, was not in the band at this point, was uh, kind of mulling around the studio when they were recording this album and some of these songs, which a lot of these songs, Shine On You Crazy Diamond and Wish You Were Here, they're about him. They're about Sid Barrett. And uh, the story is told that he was in the studio while they were recording those specific songs. And uh, some of the band members didn't know who this guy was because he was overweight and he had shaved his head, not only shaved his head, but shaved his eyebrows off and just looked like a disaster and and um you know some of the band members were, were asking the producer like who is this guy like who, who are, you, are you just letting anybody in here and just can watch pink floyd record a, a record and he goes no guys that's sid that's sid barrett and they were shocked he didn't talk to them he didn't say a word he just sat in a corner and listened to him and when it was over all said and done with he walked out the front door walked back to his house, or I think it was his parents' house where he was living, and they never heard from him again, and not many people did, and he, he died pretty much a hermit, um, and, and that's the story, so when I say things like you can listen to Pink Floyd and hear something different each time, it could be within the music itself, or it could be a backstory like that that totally gives you a different perspective on the song at hand or how they write songs, and just a, a band that will live in, in infamy, and it's, I mean, there's, some of them are still alive, obviously, but a lot of dissension, and probably won't get a, uh, David Gilmore said, Pink Floyd's done, um, 
but he still tours. Water still tours. You can still get the Pink Floyd effect. The Australian Pink Floyd is really good if you want to go see them. Um, but this was this was a, 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 their heyday, and uh, like I said, 13 minutes from now uh, and change, we will uh, get into the Cornell University. But for now, Pink Floyd, shine on you, crazy diamond. All right, and uh, one more track to go, of course. It is the time for Cornell University. And lots to choose from, as always, from the Cornell catalog. Uh, maybe I should have called it that. That's a good name, too. Um, but what we are going to go with is what, in my opinion, is the greatest album opener ever. Um, when Soundgarden broke up, when Rage Against the Machine broke up. Uh, Cornell had released his solo album, the Euphoria Morning album. The guys on Rage at that point in time really hadn't done anything. They were kind of deciding what they were going to do. Were they going to go on as Rage Against the Machine just with a new singer? Uh, were they just going to start something new entirely? Rick Rubin comes into the, the fold and says, I think your sound with Chris Cornell's vocals would be something pretty magical and uh as rick rubin typically is he hit the nail right on the head um it was the the, the perfect opener because the first minute <clears throat> is very you know so, you know something's happening it's just got that instrumental the boom 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 and it's almost like they did it intentionally with these two massive tribes musically coming together and then when it explodes it's like whoa and I will never forget the first time I heard this where I was I was in the car with some friends and I had uh you know they, they had done they had gotten together earlier and it fell through they were they were uh reportedly recording music and they were going under the name civilian and for whatever reason I think it was management couldn't get on the same page because they were from different management groups and they couldn't come to some agreement it dissolved and um months later and they were going to go on the Ozfest and everything and months later they announced all right we got all that settled we're going by the name audio slave and we have an album coming out next month and i lost my shit because i was waiting for this for so long i was so depressed when it fell through and then it came back and i remember when i heard this first song coachy's um, I was I was driving. I was with some friends in the car, and we were just bullshitting. And the uh, the DJ announced the song, and I cranked it up. And whatever we were talking about didn't matter for the next three and a half minutes. And when I finished listening to this song, I my heart was racing. <laughs> I could not wait for this album to come out. And uh, to this day, it's it's my favorite album that Cornell's ever released. It's probably my favorite album that anybody has released. Um, and, and the cool thing about it is it's, you know, Tom Morello is known for his guitar wizardry. There's no solo in it. You know, it's just the, if you want to say the solo is, is the main guitar riff, but they just, they went for, to rip your heart out and they, they absolutely did it. And I still get the chills every time I hear this song and that opening and like I said, you're just waiting for something massive. And when they come in with that riff, the payoff is more than satisfactory. So we're going to check that out right now. And, 
yeah, I mean, you can't say anything else about it. It's the greatest album opener of all time. I've done science on it. It's, it's a fact. Audio Slave and Cochise. And that will conclude our podcast episode on Side One Track Ones. I uh, hope you enjoyed those uh, little nuggets of opening album awesomeness. Um, of course, this is volume one, and we will do this again. I think next episode we did songs that start albums. I think for the next episode we'll do songs that end albums. Uh, sometimes they don't get a lot of, of publicity, and uh, very few songs that have ever been released as singles that are final track songs. So we'll we'll dive down that avenue on the next episode. Hope you guys are enjoying. See you next time.